0: Hey friends, thank you guys so much for joining in on another episode of Cast the Word. Today we're going to be talking about believing in the impossible. Friends, thank you so much for joining in today as we start our new series titled Past, Present, and Future. If you missed our announcement clip, this series will be separated into three different seasons where we will focus on first the past, then the present, and finally the future. Now, in these next few episodes, we're going to be discussing the past, and this season specifically will be titled Rewind. There are so many classical stories we hear growing up in either Sunday school or in church, and there are many spiritual truths that we can draw from these classic stories. I believe it serves as a great reminder from time to time to reflect back on these stories and see what they can teach us in our lives today. So today and throughout this season of the series, we're going to reflect back and dive into some of these classic stories and draw out some spiritual applications that are still relevant and available for us today. So in this first episode, we're going to be discussing the topic of believing in the impossible. But before we get started, I want to first thank each of you for your support of this ministry. We are extremely grateful for your subscription and for just tuning in every week. It really means a lot to us. I can't say it enough. Thank you guys for your support. Last week, we tied up our What's Love Got to Do With It series, so if you miss any of those episodes, feel free to check them out. You can do so wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can do so at our website at casttheword.com. All right, so let's get started today. When you think about the topic, believing in the impossible, there are so many stories that come to mind, especially in the Old Testament. Hebrews 11 breaks down the heroes of faith that are presented throughout the Old Testament, and almost each of them have some story where we see the impossible become possible with When you mix faith and God together, that is a powerful combination. So today we're going to hone in on one particular story of Abraham in the book of Genesis. We're going to pick up the story of Abraham in chapter 18, but a lot leads up to that point. So let's have a quick refresher. Starting in chapter 12, God instructs the 75-year-old Abraham to leave his home country of his father. God has promised Abraham that he will make him a great nation and bless him, and God will make his name great. God also shows Abraham some land and promises Abraham that his descendants would inherit this land. The problem here is that Abraham had yet to have any descendants. And according to Genesis 11 verse 30, Sarah, which is Abraham's wife, is barren. She's not able to have kids. Yet God made a covenant with Abraham and at one point even told Abraham to look up at the night sky and challenge him to count the stars. And if he could, this would be the number of descendants that he would have. God said, look up at the sky. Count the stars. These will be the number of your descendants. Can you imagine this? This man of older age being told by God to look up at the night sky and to be advised that his descendants shall be as numerous as the stars. Abraham and Sarah had to believe in the impossible. They were challenged to believe in the impossible. But time had continued to tick away, and Sarah still had yet to receive her child that God had promised her. So by the time we get to Genesis chapter 16, Sarah presents her servant Hagar to Abraham so she could obtain children through her, through Hagar. How many times do we, too, try to help God by intervening in His promises in an effort to either speed the process along or to just give God a helping hand in fulfilling whatever He has already promised us? We'll talk about that a little further. Then we get to chapter 18, and the Lord visits Abraham once more. During this visitation and conversation between the Lord and Abraham, the Lord asks Abraham where Sarah is at that moment. Abraham responds and tells the Lord that Sarah is in the tent. Then Abraham is told at that time that this time next year the Lord will return to him and Sarah will have a son. Obviously, at this point in their lives, given their advanced age, they were both beyond the childbearing years, never mind the fact that Sarah herself is also barren. Sarah, listening to this conversation from inside her tent, she's eavesdropping on this conversation and she hears what the Lord says to Abraham that this time next year Sarah's going to have a son. So, Sarah. To herself kind of chuckles. She laughs to herself after hearing this. She says in Genesis 18 verse 12, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my husband is so old? So the Lord heard this and responded by asking Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? The Lord continues saying, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have her son. The next part of this kind of cracks me up. Sarah being afraid denies this by saying, I didn't laugh. She She's overhearing this conversation. So she hears the Lord tell Abraham she's going to have a child this time next year. She laughs to herself Thinking, I- I'm so old. How can I have a kid? My husband's old. How can we have kids at this point in our lives? Never mind the fact that I'm barren. So the Lord then turns to Abraham and says, Why is she laughing? <laughs> and she responds kind of to herself, I didn't laugh. And the Lord overhears this and says, No, you did laugh. So that part kind of cracks me up that, that, Sarah laughs and gets caught and then kind of tries to backpedal, and, and God says, no, I heard you. You laughed. <laughs> so God hears all, even when we speak out in doubt of his promises towards us. Um, so that, that just kind of uh, kind of a humorous moment there. So finally, Isaac, the son of Abraham and Sarah, is born, and God achieves the impossible. God shows Abraham and Sarah that nothing is impossible by him and through him. And what happens after this? God then tests Abraham. We get to Genesis 22, going a little bit ahead, but we're going to backtrack a little bit. In Genesis 22, God calls out to Abraham and says to him, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. And Abraham, being a great man of faith, takes Isaac and obeys. What a difficult task that has to be. So as they trek up the mountain, Isaac, not knowing what's going on, says to his father, we have the fire and we have the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham replies to Isaac, saying, God will provide himself the lamb. So they get to where they are going, and Abraham, in a tremendous act of faith, binds up his son to obey what the Lord has commanded him to do, and he stretches out his hand to kill Isaac with a knife. But before he strikes him, God calls out to Abraham and tells him to not lay a hand on the boy. Then Abraham looks up and sees a ram caught by its horns in a thicket and declares that God God is Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord who provides. This story is such a painted picture of what was to come through Christ's sacrifice as well. The difference here is that Abraham was stopped from sacrificing his son. Yet God the Father delivered to all mankind his one and only son to be sacrificed for all of us. I read a commentary that described this scenario very well, so I want to read it. The commentary says, It was not God's intention that Isaac should actually be sacrificed, yet nobler blood than that of animals in due time was to be shed for sin, even the blood of the only begotten Son of God. But in the mean, while God would not in any case have human sacrifices used, another sacrifice is provided. Reference must be had to the promised Messiah, the blessed seed. Christ was the sacrifice in our stead, as the ram instead of Isaac, and his death was our discharge. And observe here that the temple, the place of sacrifice, was afterwards built upon this same Mount Moriah. Very interesting there. And Calvary, where Christ was crucified, was near as well. A new name was given to that place for the encouragement of all believers to the end of the world, cheerfully, to trust in God and obey Him. Jehovah a gyra the Lord will provide probably alluding to what Abraham had said to Isaac that God will provide himself a lamb the Lord will always have his eye upon his people in their straits and distresses that he may give them seasonable help what an encouragement there that's it that commentary just really um described that very well I just wanted to read that for you guys I want to make a couple points here the first one being that we have to trust God to deliver the impossible. We have to believe that through him, nothing is impossible. Consider here Sarah and Abraham's predicament. It was not always easy for them to believe, but in the end, God rewarded them for their faith. There are times in our lives where it may seem too difficult to trust God to accomplish the impossible. In the natural, we always want to get our hands in our circumstances. As humans, we have a tendency to want to get involved in a problem, thinking that we have the answers, thinking that we can fix it. Abraham and Sarah were no different in that regard. They understood the promise that God had told them. They understood that the Lord himself advised them that their descendants would be as numerous as the stars. But time was starting to pass to the point where Sarah and Abraham decided to take the matter into their own hands. They decided to lend God a helping hand and Sarah provided Abraham, her servant Hagar, to kind of act as a surrogate and through Hagar, Ishmael was born. So, Sarah offered Hagar to Abraham, and two of them conceived Ishmael. But the father and mother of many nations that God had promised was to be delivered through the seed of Isaac, not Ishmael. Through Sarah's son, not Hagar's son. The lineage was not supposed to come down through Ishmael. It was supposed to come down through Isaac, the promise that God had delivered them. So, what Abraham and Sarah did was not what God had in mind for them. Sarah and Abraham had a moment of doubt or decided to help God out in some capacity, and they were wrong by doing this. This was not the path that God had orchestrated for their lives, yet we, too, are no different here. There are times where instead of trying to fix the problem, we need to pause instead and trust in God. We may find ourselves in situations every now and then where the best thing we can do to mitigate the risk or the issue is to pray. Sometimes, when When we try to fix the problem, because the nature of man is flawed, our intervention can cause the problem to grow deeper and stronger. There is a reason, time and time again, the Bible teaches us to trust in the Lord. We've got to learn to trust that God will work out the impossible for our benefit. Trusting in God is simply part of the walk of faith. If we're born again, we trust that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We trust that the blood Jesus shed for us is sufficient to forgive us of our sins. And ultimately, we trust in God that when we breathe our last breath, we will step from time to eternity into heaven. If we trust God with our soul, if we trust God with our eternal resting place, then why can we not trust God to make sure the bills are paid by the end of the month? If we trust God with our eternity, then why can we not trust God to make sure we get a good report at the doctor's office? We've got to take our eyes off of what we are being faced with and remind ourselves of who our God really is. We've got to remind ourselves not to be too settled or, or too comfortable in this earthly body and in this earthly home because it's just temporal. We've got to really consider what God has in store for us for our eternal home in the future. Just like Abraham and Sarah, ultimately, in the end, believing in the impossible is what they did. They believed that God will provide them a descendant at such an old age, and God did it. He fulfilled his promise. And if God makes a promise, he will fulfill it. But take notice of the fact that God didn't give Abraham and Sarah a child in their time or in their prime. He didn't give them a child in their 20s or 30s or even their 40s, yet he could have. God chose instead to turn the humanly impossible scenario into a miraculous moment of faith building for generations to come. To the point where today we are sitting here having this conversation about the story of Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac in an effort to also encourage ourselves that God still turns an impossible situation to possible. There were a couple impossible situations here. Abraham was was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. Both past that age of, of the prime childbearing years. And then add on to the layer of complexity that Sarah herself was even barren. But God fulfilled his promise to Abraham. Not only does this story show us what faith can truly accomplish, but it also motivates me personally to want to bring my faith game up a peg or two. In preparation for this podcast, I ask myself, how often do I prevent God to show up and show out because my faith game is too low? This story also paints a point here that we've got to increase our faith if we want to see God work the impossible into a possible situation. Reflecting back on the question I asked myself, how often do I put God in a box thinking certain things are just impossible and just rule it off that there's no way it can happen? By doing that, I take the faith out of the equation. How often do I feel to remind myself that the God who split the Red Sea for Moses, the God who told Joshua to march around Jericho seven times and caused the walls of Jericho to fall, the God who stood in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God who shut the mouths of lions when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, this God that we serve is still the same God that showed up to Abraham and Sarah and told them that they were going to have a child at 90 and 100 years old. There is no point in the word of God where we read that the God of miracles, read about in days past, decided to somehow or some way retire and delegate these duties to a lesser able and lesser powerful God. No, the God who split the Red Sea, the God who gave Abraham and Sarah a child when Sarah was in her 90s and Abraham was over 100, the God that spoke to Moses out of the burning bush and ushered in the 10 plagues of Egypt, the God that gave supernatural strength to Samson is still the same God today. Nothing has changed. He has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still seated firmly on his throne. Nothing will ever take him by surprise. No disease, no ruler, no war will ever take our father by surprise. So today, I hope to remind you something I know you already know. I recognize today that this message is not some earth-shattering, breaking news that you didn't already know. I recognize the fact that most of you that came to click the play button today has already heard the story of Abraham and Sarah, and the things I said to you are no surprise. But I just wanted to stop in for a moment to give you a reminder that what is impossible to man is possible with God, and all he has to do is speak a word. God is able, willing, and ready to show up in our lives and work out the impossible. But just like Peter, we have to be willing to step out of the boat and onto the water with Jesus, but we can't look down. We have to take that leap of faith, we have to recognize that nothing is impossible to God. He's still omniscient, He's still omnipresent, and He's still omnipotent. All God wants from us is to put our trust in Him, to put our faith in Him, to stop leaning on our own intellect to answer all of life's problems, and instead learn to lean and rest in His hands and believe that all things work together for the good. He wants us to believe that we can do all things through Him who strengthens us, not by our own strength, but by His. He wants us to believe the words of Jeremiah 32, where he says, "Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for Me?" And he wants us to believe Romans 8:31, "If God be for us, then who can be against us?" So today, I want to encourage you: believe in God to work the impossible situation out in your life. And as you wait, be prepared to give him the best sacrifice you can. Be willing to go when he tells you to go and be willing to give him the best sacrifice you can even before the prayer is answered. The best praise that you can give him even before you get that answered prayer. God wants the best that we have to give him. He wants the first fruits of our labors, not the leftovers. God wants us to give him our Isaac and not Our Ishmael. Guys, thank you so much for joining in today. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that you found some sort of encouragement in some capacity through this message today and through this conversation. I look forward to what the next few episodes have in store in this Rewind series, and then we're going to move on to the present and then the future. So I hope you keep tuning in. Guys, stay strong in the faith, and I look forward to talking to you next time.